Chapter Sixteen of the Canadians of Old by Philippe Aubert de Gaspé, translated by Sir Charles G. D. Roberts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Lochiel and Blanche. After seven long years of severe privation, content and even happiness came back to the D'Abervilles it is true that the great manor-house had been replaced by a somewhat humble dwelling but it was a palace compared to the mill they had just left the d'habervilles had moreover suffered less than many others in the same position loved and respected by their tenants they had suffered none of those humiliations which the vulgar often inflict upon their betters in distress the d'habervilles had never forgotten that it is the privilege of the upper classes to treat their inferiors with respect they were besieged with offers of service when it was decided to rebuild the manor the whole parish volunteered its assistance to help along the work every man labored with as much zeal as if it were his own house he was building with the delicate tact of the frenchman they never entered except as invited guests the poor chambers which the family had set apart in the mill if they had been affectionate toward their seigneur in his prosperity when the iron hand of adversity was laid upon him they became his devoted disciples only they who have known great reverses who have suffered long and cruelly can appreciate the blissful content of them who again see better days hitherto all had respected captain d'haberville's grief and in his presence had scarcely spoken above their breath but now the natural gaiety of the french heart reasserted itself and all was changed as by enchantment the captain laughed and joked as he used to before the war the ladies sang as they busied themselves about the house and again the sonorous voice of uncle raoul was heard on fine evenings arousing the echoes of the cape the faithful jose was everywhere at once and tales of the experiences of his late father now dead flowed incessantly from his lips one morning toward the end of august that same year captain d'haberville was returning from the river port joli his gun on one shoulder and a well-filled game-bag slung over the other when he saw a small boat put off from a ship which was anchored a little way out the boat made directly for the d'haberville's landing the captain sat on a rock to wait for it imagining that it contained some sailors in quest of milk and fresh victuals as they landed he was hastening forward to meet them when he saw with surprise that one of them who was dressed as a gentleman was handing a packet to one of the sailors and directing him to take it to the manor-house at the sight of captain d'haberville this gentleman seemed to change his mind suddenly for he stepped forward and handed him the packet with these words i have hardly dared hand you this packet myself captain d'haberville although it contains news at which you will rejoice why sir replied the captain searching his memory for the name of this person whose face seemed half familiar why should you have hesitated to hand me the packet yourself if chance had not thrown me in your way because sir said the other hesitating i might have feared that it would be disagreeable to you to receive it at my hands i know that captain d'haberville never forgets either a benefit or an injury captain d'haberville stared at the stranger then frowning heavily he shut his eyes and was silent for some moments the stranger watching him intently could see that a violent struggle was raging in his breast presently captain d'haberville recovered his self-possession and said with scrupulous politeness let us leave to each man's own conscience the remembrance of past wrongs you are here captain de lochiel and as the bearer of letters from my son you are entitled to every welcome on my part the family will be glad to see you you will receive at my house a cordial hospitality he was going to say bitterly a princely hospitality but the reproach died upon his lips the lion was as yet but half appeased 
archie instinctively put out his hand to grasp that of his old friend but captain d'haberville responded with a visible effort and his hand lay passive in the young man's clasp a sigh burst from archie's lips and for a time he seemed uncertain what to do at length he said sorrowfully captain d'haberville can refuse to forgive him whom once he loved and overwhelmed with benefits but he has too noble a soul to wantonly inflict a punishment too great to be endured to see again the places which will recall such poignant memories will be trial enough in itself without meeting there the cold welcome which hospitality extends to the stranger farewell captain d'haberville farewell for ever to him whom i once called my father if he will no longer regard me as a son i call heaven to witness that every hour has been embittered with remorse since the fatal day when my duty as a soldier under orders forced me to enact a barbarism at which my very soul sickened i swear to you that a great weight has lain ceaselessly upon my heart through the hours of excitement on the battlefield of gaiety at ball and festival not less than through the silence of the long and weary nights farewell forever for i perceive that you have refused to hear from the lips of the good superior the story of my pain and my despair farewell for the last time and since all intercourse must cease between us tell me oh tell me i implore you that some measure of peace and happiness has been restored to your family oh tell me that you are not continually miserable nothing remains for me but to pray god on my knees that he will shed his best blessings on a family which i so deeply love to offer to repair with my own fortune the losses which i caused would be an insult to a d'haberville though monsieur d'haberville had refused to listen to his sister he had none the less been impressed by the recital of monsieur de saint-luc and by archie's devotion in offering to sacrifice his fortune and his future to a sentiment of gratitude hence the degree of welcome with which he had received him otherwise it is probable he would have turned his back upon him the suggestion of pecuniary compensation made monsieur d'haberville start as if he had been touched with a red-hot iron but this passing emotion was forgotten in the conflict of his feelings he clasped his breast with both hands as if he would tear out the bitterness which in spite of him clung to his heart making lochiel a sign to remain where he was he strode rapidly down the shore then he came back slowly and thoughtfully and said i have done my utmost archie to banish the last of my bitterness but you know me and you know it will be a work of time to blot it completely from my remembrance all that i can say is that my heart forgives you my sister the superior told me all i listened to her after hearing of your good offices in interceding with the governor on my behalf which i learned through my friend de saint-luc i concluded that he who was ready to sacrifice rank and fortune for his friends could only have been acting by compulsion in those circumstances to which i now allude for the last time if you should notice occasionally any coldness in my attitude toward yourself please pay no attention to it let us leave it all to time he pressed lochiel's hand cordially the lion was appeased as it is probable said monsieur d'haberville that the calm is going to continue send back your sailors after they have had something to eat and if by chance a favorable wind should arise my good nag lubine will carry you to quebec in six hours that is if your business prevents your staying with us so long as we would wish this will be convenient for you will it not with these words he passed his arm under that of archie and they walked together toward the house now archie said the captain how does it happen that you bring letters and good news from my son i left jules in paris seven weeks ago 
answered archie after having stayed a month with him at the house of his uncle monsieur de germain who did not wish me to be separated from my friend during my stay in france but it will be pleasanter for you to learn all from his own hand so permit me to say no more if it saddened lochiel to see what one would have called before the conquest the d'aberville village replaced by three or four poor cottages nevertheless he had an agreeable surprise in the prosperous appearance of the manor these buildings new and freshly whitewashed this garden gay with flowers these two orchards laden with fine fruit the harvesters returning from the meadows with fragrant loads of hay all this tended to dissipate the impression of gloom that had at first almost overwhelmed him with the exception of a sofa and a dozen armchairs of mahogany and a few other small articles of furniture snatched from the flames everything was of extreme simplicity within the new dwelling all the furniture was in plain wood the walls were guiltless of pictures as the floors of carpets the family portraits which had been the pride of the d'abervilles no longer occupied their places in the dining-room the only ornaments of the new rooms were some fir boughs standing in the corners and a generous supply of flowers in baskets made by the natives this absence of costly adornment however was not without its charm one breathed deeply in that atmosphere wholesome with the fragrance of fir boughs flowers and new wood there was everywhere a flavor of freshness which made it hard to regret the absence of more costly appointments all the family having seen monsieur d'aberville in the distance accompanied by a stranger had gathered in the drawing-room to receive him not having seen archie for ten years nobody but blanche recognized him the girl grew pale at the sight of the friend whom she had never thought to see again but recovering herself promptly as women will to conceal their strongest feelings like the other two ladies she made the deep curtsy which she would have bestowed upon a stranger as for uncle raoul he bowed with chilly politeness he had little love for the english and ever since the conquest he had been cursing them with an eloquence not edifying to pious ears may i be roasted by an iroquois exclaimed the captain addressing archie if a single one of us knew you come look at this gentleman ten years ought not to have blotted him from your memory as for me i knew him at once speak blanche you being the youngest should have better eyes than the rest i think said blanche in a low voice that it is monsieur de lochiel yes said monsieur d'aberville it is archie who has seen jules very lately in paris he brings us letters from him full of good news what are you doing archie that you do not embrace your old friends the family ignorant of the change in the captain's feelings were only awaiting his consent to give archie a welcome whose warmth brought tears into his eyes the last letter from jules contained the following passage i have been taking the waters of barege for my wounds and though i am still weak i am getting well rapidly the doctors say that i must have rest and that it will be long before i am able to take the field again i have obtained an unlimited furlough our relative the minister and all my friends counsel me to leave the army and return to canada the new country of all my family they advise me to establish myself there after taking the oath of allegiance to the english crown but i will do nothing without consulting you my brother archie who has influential friends in england has sent me a letter of recommendation from one high in authority to your governor sir guy carleton who they say shows great consideration for the canadian nobility if on your advice i decide to remain in canada i shall hope to be of some use to my poor fellow-countrymen god willing i shall have the pleasure of embracing you all again toward the end of september next oh what happiness after so long a separation in a postscript jules added 
i was forgetting to tell you that i have been presented to the king who received me most kindly he even praised me for what he was pleased to call my noble conduct and made me a knight of the grand cross of the most honourable order of st louis i know not to what pleasantry i owe this favour which every frenchman who carried a sword has as much deserved as i i could name ten officers in my own division who should have been decorated in my place it is true that i have had the precious advantage of getting carved up like a fool in every battle truly it is a pity that there was not an order for fools then i should have fairly won the distinction which his most christian majesty has just bestowed upon me i hope however that this act will not shut the gates of paradise against him and that st peter will find some other little peccadilloes to object to otherwise i should be greatly concerned lochiel could scarcely keep from laughing at the words most christian majesty he could see the mocking smile with which his friend would write the phrase always the same exclaimed monsieur d'aberville and thinking only of others exclaimed the rest with one voice i will wager my head to a shilling said archie that he would rather have seen the honour bestowed upon one of his friends what a son exclaimed the mother what a brother added blanche you may well say what a brother exclaimed archie fervently and what a nephew have i trained up cried uncle raoul making passes in the air with his cane as if it were a sabre and he on horseback there is a prince who can distinguish merit and who knows how to reward it his majesty of france shows great discernment he knows that with a hundred officers like jules he could resume the offensive overrun europe with triumphant armies overleap the detroit like another william crush proud albion and reconquer the colonies again uncle raoul carved the air in every direction with his cane to the imminent peril of the eyes noses and chins of the rest of the company then the chevalier looked about him proudly and with the aid of his cane he dragged himself to an armchair to repose after the laurels he had won for the king of france by the help of a hundred officers like his nephew the letters from jules and archie's coming made that day one of feverish delight at d'aberville manor and archie was pursued with incessant questions about jules about their friends in france about the faubourg saint-germain about the court and about his own adventures archie wished then to see the servants in the kitchen getting dinner he found the mulatto woman lisette who threw herself upon his neck as she used to do when he came home for his holidays with jules her voice was choked with sobs of delight this woman whom captain d'aberville had bought when she was only four years old had some failings but she was deeply attached to the family she stood in awe of no one but the master her mistress she regarded as a sort of newcomer whom she obeyed or not according to her whim blanche and her brother were the only ones who could do what they liked with her though jules often tormented her sorely she was always ready to laugh at his tricks and shield him from their consequences tried beyond all patience monsieur d'aberville had long ago given her her freedom but to use her own words she laughed at his emancipation like that snapping her fingers for she had as good a right as he and his to remain in the house where she had been brought up if her master too utterly exasperated would dismiss her by one door she would promptly re-enter by the other this irrepressible woman was as much affected by the misfortunes of her master as if she had been a daughter of the family and strange to say during all the years when the captain was immersed in bitterness and gloom she was a model of obedience and submission and did the work of at least two servants when she was alone with blanche she would sometimes throw herself sobbing on her neck and the brave girl would forget her own griefs in comforting those of the slave it is necessary to add that when prosperity returned to the family lisette became as wilful as before 
leaving the kitchen lochiel ran to meet jose who came singing up from the garden laden with fruit and vegetables excuse me if i give you my left hand said jose i left the other behind me on the plains of abraham i bear no grudge however against the short petticoat begging your pardon who relieved me of it the thing was done so neatly right at the joint that the surgeon had nothing left to do but bandage up the stump we came off about quits nevertheless the short petticoat and i for i ran my bayonet through his body it's just as well after all however for what use would my right hand be to me when there is no more fighting no more war now that the englishman is master of the land added jose sighing it seems my dear jose answered lochiel laughing that you know pretty well how to do without your right hand as long as the left remains to you very true said jose i can manage when i'm driven to it as in the scrimmage with the short petticoat but i confess that it grieves me to be thus crippled both hands would have been none too many to serve my master with the times have been hard indeed but thank god the worst is over and tears welled up in the faithful jose's eyes lochiel then betook himself to the harvesters who were busy raking the hay and loading the carts they were all old acquaintances who greeted him warmly for all the family the captain excepted had been at pains to exonerate him the dinner served with the greatest simplicity was nevertheless lavish in its abundance thanks to the game with which shore and forest were swarming at this season the silver had been reduced to the limits of strict necessity besides the spoons forks and drinking cups there remained but a single jug of ancient pattern graven with the d'aberville arms to attest the former opulence of the family the dessert consisted of the fruits of the season brought in on maple leaves in birch-bark cassot and baskets ingeniously woven by the indians a little glass of black currant ratafia before dinner to sharpen the appetite spruce beer made out of the branches of the tree and spanish wine which they drank much tempered with water these were the only liquors that the hospitality of seigneur d'aberville could set before his guest this did not prevent the meal from being pervaded with kindly gaiety the family seemed to be entering upon a new life but for his dread of wounding archie captain d'aberville would not have failed to joke upon the absence of champagne which was replaced by the sparkling spruce beer now that we are en famille said the captain smiling at archie let us talk of the future of my son as for me old and worn out before my time with the fatigues of war i have a good excuse for not serving the new government it would not be for me moreover at my age to draw the sword against france whom i have served for more than thirty years rather death a hundred times and like hector the trojan interrupted uncle raoul we can all say si pergama dextra defendi possent et am hoc defensa fuissent never mind hector the trojan exclaimed monsieur d'aberville who not being as learned as his brother had small taste for his quotations never mind hector the trojan who was not greatly concerned with our family affairs let us return to jules his health compels him to withdraw from the service perhaps for a long time or even permanently his dearest interests are here where he was born canada is his true fatherland he cannot have the same affection for the land of his ancestors his position moreover is very different from mine what would be cowardice for me standing on the edge of the tomb is but an act of duty for him who is but on the threshold of life splendidly has he paid his debt to the country of his fathers he retires honorably from a service which the doctors order him to leave now let him consecrate his energy and his abilities to the service of his fellow canadians the new governor is already well disposed toward us he welcomes those of my countrymen who have intercourse with him he has many times expressed his sympathy for the brave officers whom he had met face to face on the battlefield 
and whom fate not their courage had betrayed in the gatherings at chateau st louis he shows the same regard for canadians as for his own countrymen as much for those of us who have lost all as for those more fortunate who can maintain a dignity suitable to their rank under his administration and supported by the strong recommendations which our friend lochiel has procured for him jules has every reason to hope for a high position in the colony let him take the oath of allegiance to the english crown and my last words when i bid him a final farewell shall be serve your english sovereign with the same zeal devotion and loyalty with which i have served the french king and receive my blessing every one was struck by this sudden change of sentiment in the head of the family they forgot that adversity is a hard master who bends the most stubborn heart beneath his grasp of steel captain d'haberville too proud and too loyal to acknowledge openly that louis the fifteenth had wronged the subjects who had served him with a heroism so devoted nevertheless felt keenly the ingratitude of the french court although stung to the quick by such treatment he was ready to shed the last drop of his blood for this voluptuous monarch given over to the whims of his mistresses but there his devotion ceased he would have refused for himself the favors of the new government but he was too just to sacrifice his son's future to a sentiment with so slight a basis let each one now express his opinion freely said the captain smiling and let the majority decide the ladies answered this appeal by throwing themselves into his arms uncle raoul seized his brother's hand shook it vigorously and exclaimed mester of old could not have spoken more wisely nor could we have been more delighted said archie if we had had the advantage of listening to the very words of that most venerable grecian as the tide was full and the river beautifully calm archie proposed to blanche a walk along the lovely shore which stretches varied with sandy coves from the manor to the little port joli river everything i see said archie as they moved along the river's edge the level rays of the sunset making a path of red gold from their feet to the far-off mountains everything i see is rich with sweet memories here when you were a child i taught you to play with the shells which i picked up along this shore and this little bay i taught my brother jules to swim there are the same strawberry beds and raspberry thickets whence we plucked the fruit you were so fond of here seated book in hand on this little rock you used to wait the return of jules and me from hunting to congratulate us on our success or mock at our empty game bags not a tree a bush a shrub but looks to me like an old and dear acquaintance oh happy childhood happy youth ever rejoicing in the present forgetful of the past careless of the future life rolls along as gently as the current of this pretty stream which we are now crossing it was then that we were wise jules and i when our highest ambition was to pass our days together here happy in our work and our hunting just such a life of monotony and peace interrupted blanche is that to which our sex is doomed god in giving man strength and courage set him apart for the loftier destinies what must be the enthusiasm of a man in the midst of the battle what sight more sublime than that of the soldier facing death a hundred times in the tumult for all he holds most dear what must be the fierce exultation of the warrior when the bugles sound for victory this noble girl knew of no glory but that of arms her father almost incessantly in the field came back to the bosom of his family only to rehearse the exploits of his comrades in arms and blanche while yet a child had become steeped with martial ardor there are triumphs all too dearly bought answered archie 
when one considers the disasters that have followed in their train when one remembers the tears of the widow and the orphan robbed of their dearest but here we are at the port joli well named with its sunny banks gay with wild rose thickets its groves of fir and spruce and its coverts of red willow what memories cling about this lovely stream i see again your gentle mother and your good aunt seated here on the grass on a fair evening in august while we are paddling upstream in our little green canoe to babin's islet keeping time with our paddles as we sing in chorus the refrain of your pretty song we are afloat we are afloat on the water so blue we are bound for our isle of delight i hear again the voice of your mother calling repeatedly go and get blanche at once you incorrigibles it is supper-time and you know your father expects punctuality at meals and jules would answer paddling with all his might do not fear my father's anger i will take the whole responsibility on my own shoulders i will make him laugh by telling him that like his majesty louis the fourteenth he had expected to wait you know i am a spoiled child in the holidays dear fellow said blanche he was sad enough that day when you and i found him hiding in this fir grove where he had concealed himself to escape the first heat of father's indignation and he had not done anything so very dreadful after all said archie laughing let us enumerate his crimes replied blanche counting on her fingers first he had disobeyed father's orders by harnessing to the carriage an unruly three-year-old filly which was scarcely to be managed even in a sleigh secondly after a hard tussle with the rash young driver the filly had taken the bit in her teeth and as the first proof of her freedom had crushed the unhappy cow belonging to our neighbor widow maurice a most happy accident for said widow interposed archie for your father replaced the old animal with two of the finest heifers in his pastures i remember the anxiety of the poor woman when she learned that some officious spectator had informed your father of the accident how does it happen that the people whom jules tormented most assiduously are just the ones who were most devoted to him what is the spell by which he compels everybody to love him widow maurice used to have hardly a moment's peace while we were home for the holidays yet she was always in tears when she came to bed jules good-bye the reason is not far to seek said blanche it is that all know his kind heart you know moreover by experience archie that those whom he loves best are just the ones that he teases most unremittingly but let us continue our enumeration of his misdemeanors on that unlucky day thirdly after killing the cow the ugly brute ran against a fence broke one of the wheels and hurled the driver fifteen feet into the meadow beyond but jules who always falls on his feet like a cat was in no way the worse for this adventure fourthly and lastly after smashing the carriage to splinters on the rocks of the trois saumons river the mare ended by breaking her own legs on the shore over in the parish of lillet yes added archie and i remember how eloquently you pleaded for the culprit who in despair at having so deeply offended so good a father was in danger of proceeding to rash extremities against himself dear papa you said should you not rather thank heaven for having preserved jules life what matters the loss of a cow a horse a carriage you might have seen his bleeding body brought home to you come let us talk no more about it was your father's reply go and look for your rascal of a brother for i doubt not you and archie know where he has taken refuge after his nice performances i see yet continued archie the half penitent half comical air of jules when he knew the storm had blown over what my father he ended by saying after listening to some energetic remonstrances would you have preferred to see me dragged to my death like another hippolytus by the horse which your hands had nourished to be the murderer of your son would you have chosen to see my ensanguined locks dangling on the brambles to which the captain answered 
come let's to supper since there seems to be a god for such madcaps as you now that's more like the way to talk to a fellow was jules response i never could quite understand continued archie why your father who is ordinarily so unforgiving used to forgive and forget so easily any offence of jules father knows said blanche that jules loves him devotedly and would endure anything to spare him pain for all his headlong thoughtlessness jules could never offend my father deeply now that we have called up so many pleasant memories said archie let us sit down on this hillock where we have so often before rested and let us speak of more serious matters i have decided to settle in canada i have lately sold a property which was left to me by one of my cousins my fortune although but moderate in the old country will be counted large out here where my happiest days have been spent and where i propose to live and die among my friends what do you say blanche nothing in the world could please us more oh how happy jules will be how glad we will all be yes you will all be pleased doubtless but my happiness can never be perfect blanche unless you will consent to make it so by giving me your hand i love the girl sprang to her feet as if an adder had stung her with trembling lips and pale with anger she cried you offend me captain de lochiel you have not considered the cruelty of the offer you are making me is it now you make me such a proposal when the flames that you and yours have lighted in my unhappy country are hardly yet extinguished is it now while the smoke yet rises from our ruined homes that you offer me the hand of one of our destroyers there would indeed be a bitter irony in lighting the marriage torch at the smoking ashes of my unhappy country they would say captain de lochiel that your gold had bought the hand of the poor canadian girl and never will a d'aberville endure such humiliation oh archie archie i would never have expected it of you you the friend of my childhood you know not what you are doing and blanche burst into tears never had the noble canadian girl appeared so beautiful in archie's eyes as now when she rejected with proud disdain the hand of one of her country's conquerors calm yourself blanche answered lochiel i admire your patriotism i appreciate the exalted delicacy of your sentiments however unjust they may be toward the friend of your childhood never would a cameron of lochiel give offence to any lady least of all to the sister of jules d'aberville to the daughter of his benefactor you know blanche that i never act without due reflection for you to reject with scorn the hand of an englishman so soon after the conquest would be but natural in a d'aberville but as for me blanche you know that i have loved you long you could not be ignorant of it in spite of my silence the penniless young exile would have failed in every honourable sentiment had he declared his love for the daughter of his rich benefactor is it because i am rich now is it because the chance of war has made us victorious in the struggle is it because fate made of me an unwilling instrument of destruction is it because of all this that i must bury in my heart one of the noblest emotions of our nature and acknowledge myself defeated without an effort no blanche you surely cannot think it you have spoken without reflection you regret the harsh words which have escaped you speak blanche and say that you did not mean it i will be candid with you archie replied blanche i will be as frank as a peasant girl who has studied neither her feelings nor her words as a country girl who has forgotten the conventionalities of that society from which she has so long been banished and i will speak with my heart upon my lips you had all that could captivate a girl of fifteen years noble birth wit beauty strength and a generous and lofty heart what more could be needed to charm an enthusiastic girl 
archie if the penniless young exile had asked my parents for my hand and they had granted his request i should have been proud and happy to obey but captain de lochiel there is now a gulf between us which i will never cross and again the girl's voice was choked with sobs but i implore you my brother archie continued she taking his hand do not alter your intention of settling in canada buy property in our neighborhood so that we can see you continually and if in the ordinary course of nature for you are eight years older than i i should have the unhappiness to lose you be sure that you would be mourned as bitterly by your sister blanche as if she had been your wife and now it is getting late archie and we must return to the house she added pressing his hand affectionately between both of hers you will never be so cruel toward me and toward yourself cried archie as to persist in this refusal yes toward yourself blanche for the love of a heart like yours does not die out like a common passion it resists time and all its vicissitudes jules will plead my cause on his return and his sister will not refuse him his first request oh tell me that i may hope never archie never said blanche the women of my family as well as the men have never failed in their duty have never shrunk from any sacrifice however painful two of my aunts while yet very young said one day to my father you have no more than enough d'Aberville, to maintain the dignity of the house our dowry would make a considerable breach in your means to-morrow we shall enter a convent where all is prepared to receive us prayers threats the fury of my father all proved vain they entered the convent where they have not wearied of good deeds to this day as for me archie i have other duties to perform duties very dear to me i must sweeten life as far as possible for my parents must help them to forget their misfortunes must care for them in their old age and must close their eyes at the last my brother jules will marry i will nurse his children and share alike his good and evil fortune lochiel and blanche walked toward the house in silence the last rays of the setting sun mirrored in the swelling tide lent a new charm to the enchanting scene but to their eyes the loveliness of nature seemed to have suddenly faded out the next day toward evening a favorable wind arose the vessel which had brought lochiel weighed anchor at once and m d'Aberville instructed jose to convey his young friend to quebec during the journey there was no lack of conversation between the two travelers their subjects were inexhaustible toward five o'clock in the morning however as they were passing beaumont lochiel said to jose i am as sleepy as a marmot we sat up late yesterday and i was so feverish that i got no sleep for the rest of the night do sing me a song to keep me awake he knew the hoarseness and vigor of his companion's voice and he put great faith in it as an anti-soporific i cannot refuse answered jos who like many others blessed with a discordant voice prided himself greatly on his singing the more sleepy you are the more risk you run of breaking your head on the rocks which have never been cleared away since la Corriveau's memorable trip but i hardly know what to begin with how would you like a song on the taking of bergopzum bergopzum will do said archie though the english were pretty badly treated there hem hem coughed jose nothing like a little revenge on the enemy that handled us so roughly in fifty nine and he struck up the following a te deum for him who was born the doom a te deum for him who was born the doom of the stout-walled city of bergopzum of the stout-walled city of bergopzum by our lady he wants the best that's going who can do up a siege in a style so knowing how charmingly naive cried lochiel is it not captain 
said jose very proud of his success indeed yes my dear jose but go on i am in a hurry to hear the end do not halt upon so good a road thank you captain said jose touching his cap like alexander who lived of old like alexander who lived of old his body is small but his heart is bold his body is small but his heart is bold god gave him all alexander's wit and caesar's wisdom on top of it his body is small but his heart is bold repeated archie is a very happy touch where did you pick up this song a grenadier who was at the siege of bergopzum sang it to my late father he said that it was terribly hot work there and he carried the marks of it he had only one eye left and the skin was torn off his face from his forehead to his jawbone but as all these damages were on the left side he still could manage his gun properly on the right but let us leave him to look out for himself he is a jolly lad who would dance a jig on his own grave and i need not concern myself about him here's the third and last verse oh we combed the hides of the english well oh we combed the hides of the english well a very bad lot as i've heard tell a very bad lot as i've heard tell they'll shake by our lady till they get home for fear of our boys and their curry comb delightful pon honor cried lochiel these english who wear a very bad lot these soldiers armed with the curry comb how exquisitely naive charming by our lady though captain said jose they are not always so easy to comb these english like our good horse lubine here they are sometimes very bad-humoured and ugly to handle if one rubs them too hard witness the first battle of the plains of abraham it was the english was it not who carried the curry-comb then remarked archie for reply jose merely lifted up the stump of his arm around which he had twisted the leather of his whip for a time our travellers journeyed on in silence and again archie grew heavy with sleep perceiving this jose cried captain captain you're nearly asleep take care or you're going to break your nose begging your pardon i think you want another song to wake you up shall i sing you the complaint of biron who was biron inquired lochiel uncle raoul who is so learned told me that he was a prince a great warrior the relative and friend of our late king henry the fourth which did not prevent the latter from having him executed just as if he was a nobody when i made my lament upon his death uncle raoul and the captain told me that he had proved a traitor to the king and forbid me even to sing the complaint in their presence this struck me as rather droll but i obeyed them all the same i have never heard of this lament said archie and as i am not particularly sensitive in regard to the kings of france i wish you would sing it for me thereupon jose struck up in a voice of thunder the following lament the king he had been warned by one of his gendarmes his name it was la fin that gave him the alarm your majesty i pray you of prince biron beware for he's plotting wicked deeds and there's treason in the air la fin had hardly spoke when prince biron came in his cap was in his hand and he bowed before the king said he wilt please your majesty to try your hand at play here's a thousand spanish doubloons that i have won this day if you have them with you prince replied his majesty if you have them with you prince go find the queen and she will play you for the spanish gold you have not long to see he had not played two games when the constable came in and bowing cap in hand right courtly said to him oh will you rise up prince and come along with me this night in the bastille your bed and board shall be oh had i but my sword my weapon bright and keen oh had i but my sabre my knife of golden sheen no constable should capture me that ever i have seen it might have been a month or maybe two weeks more that no friends came to see him or passed his prison door at last came judges three pretending not to know and asked of him fair prince oh who has used you so oh they who used me so had power to put me here it was the king and queen whom i served for many a year and now for my reward my death it draweth near 
and does the king remember no more the savoy war and has the king forgotten the wounds for him i bore and is it my true service now that i must suffer for and has the king forgotten that if i have to die the blood of biron may to heaven for vengeance cry or does the king remember i have a brother yet but when he sees the king he will not me forget by this time lochiel was thoroughly awake the tremendous voice of jose would have awakened the sleeping beauty herself from the depths of her hundred years slumber but you sir said jose you who are nearly as learned as uncle raoul you could perhaps tell me something of this wicked king who so ungratefully put this poor monsieur biron to death kings my dear jose never forget a personal offence and like a great many smaller people who cannot overlook the faults of others no matter how well atoned for for faithful services their memory is very short well now but that seems very queer to me when i was thinking that the good god had given them everything that heart could wish a short memory but that is droll smiling at his companion's innocence archie replied king henry the fourth however had an excellent memory although it failed him in that one instance he was a good prince and loved his subjects as if they were his own children and he did all he could to make them happy it is not surprising that his memory is cherished by all good frenchmen even after a lapse of one hundred and fifty years by our lady exclaimed jose there's nothing surprising in that if the subjects have a better memory than their princes it was cruel of him however to hang this poor monsieur biron the nobility of france were never hung said archie that was one of their special privileges they simply had their heads cut off that was indeed a privilege it may perhaps hurt more but it is much more glorious to die by the sword than by the rope remarked jose to return to henry the fourth said archie we must not be too severe in our condemnation of him he lived in a difficult period a period of civil war biron his kinsman and former friend turned traitor and was doubly deserving of his fate poor monsieur biron said jose but he speaks finely in his lament it is not always they who speak the best who have the most right on their side remarked archie there is no one so like an honest man as an eloquent knave all very true mr archie we have one poor thief in our district and as he doesn't know how to defend himself everybody is continually getting his teeth into him while his brother who is a hundred times worse than he has so smooth a tongue that he passes himself off for a little saint meanwhile yonder is quebec but no more the white flag waving over her added jose sighing to hide his emotion he went searching in all his pockets for his pipe grumbling to himself and repeating his old refrain our good folk will come again jose spent two days in quebec and returned loaded with all the presents that archie thought would find acceptance at d'aberville manor such rich gifts as he would have sent under other circumstances he dared not send now for fear of wounding his friends in bidding jose farewell he said i left my prayer-book at the manor-house beg miss blanche to take care of it till i return it was a keepsake. End of chapter 16